Hello, everybody. My name is Pastor Derek, and I am so happy, sincerely, that you are watching online today. Uh, I pastor Connect Church, and it is a great honor to speak to you today. I believe, uh, maybe as much as any other day, I have what's called a timely word for you. My daddy used to uh, train me in ministry years ago and said, son, you don't want just to have a word for Sunday. You want to have the word. Come on, somebody. And so I just believe I have the word of the Lord for you today. I want to talk to you about the moments of fear. When those uh, sudden, unpredictable moments come upon you, how do you handle them? How do you respond to them? I think the situation that we are in today has amplified or increased the number of the moments of fear for you and me. And God has answers on how we are to respond to that. Now, in our crazy nuts world in which we live today, uh, people's tendency is to look for help and answers. We look for help when we're afraid. Uh, I, I would say on a large scale from government. Uh, today, I think we go to uh, uh, Google before God. I think today we go to the CDC for answers. But at the end of the, their conclusions and their support, I don't think we necessarily feel satisfied with the answer or supported by the help. And the problems today range. Uh, they're very, and they're strange. Uh, the, the fears can be from terrorism and war, and we need more military. We need to have more safety precautions for our country. Uh, in the past, it was anthrax and, and envelopes, and this summer, it was mosquitoes, and we need to spray ourselves like crazy, and we're afraid of getting bitten. And if you're in other parts of the world, there are locusts. Yes, I said locusts, like biblical proportions. Um, in East Africa, swarms of locusts just recently, three times the, not, the, the size of New York City, city. <laughs> New York City swept over the land, consuming hundreds of millions of dollars of food. And if they're not dealt with, they say they could grow 500 times that size. Yes, swarms of locusts. We're living in a day where we're afraid of everything from mosquitoes to our mother-in-laws. Come on, somebody. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is with every new threat, man's response is a new precaution. And now we have this deadly virus, the coronavirus, and it's here and it's amongst us. And the only precaution, fundamentally, I know there are others, is to wash your hands. And I think it's interesting because... I don't know if it really satisfies what's going on inside, even though we're doing something on the outside. So why am I starting this way? What does this mean? Pastor Derek, where are you going? I want you to come to a conclusion. Because if you can admit where you are, God can get you where you need to go. I, a huge takeaway from all these things and many more that we could say is, there is no impregnable environment that can be provided in this life that will assuage, that will dismiss, that will satisfy or eliminate all of your fears and the, and the challenges that we face. So what do you do about it? Do you just quit? Do you resign? Do you give up? Uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 21 that in the last days, and I think we're in those, we're in the birth pains of those. If you read Matthew 24 and you see the sequence, things aren't necessarily falling apart. They're really falling into place. 
But if you look at these things through that lens, uh, some see it as falling apart. And the Bible says men's, heart will, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Men are going to have, men and women, mankind will have heart attacks over all of these things because they don't know how to arrest. They don't know how to overcome. They don't know how to fight their fears. So how do we deal with our fears? The Bible makes some interesting statements about fear. Uh, Very um, counterintuitive in the way that they are stated. It says in Psalm 111 and Psalm 112, I'm going to merge these, but it says, the fear of the Lord, that's an interesting fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many of you need wisdom out there? Just raise your hand. If you need wisdom... The fear of the Lord is the answer. It says, all who follow his precepts have good understanding. How many need a little bit of understanding in the times in which we live, like the sons of Issachar had in the Old Testament? It says, to him, those people who have the fear of the Lord, belong eternal praise. Praise the Lord. Then it says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. How many want to be blessed? I know I want to be blessed. He who finds the person who is fearing the Lord finds great delight in the commands of God. So we, we came to this conclusion in, in week one of this little mini-series on fear, but we, we want to unpack it again. The fear of the Lord, here it is, the fear of the Lord is the only thing that can set us free from all other fears. In other words, I mean, I'll say it again. The fear of the Lord is the only thing that can set us free from all the other fears. We have to elevate Our reverence and awe of God, put him in the highest position, and it will subordinate all the other concerns and fears and worries and anxieties and apprehensions that we have. In other words, we fight all those fears with the fear of God. But the problem, and the one that I want to emphasize today is, when we get afraid, we do what is instinctive and often we give in to our feelings and fear follows right behind that. We do what is instinctive, we give in to these feelings and then fear is not far behind. We give in to these instinctive reactions because we think it is the natural and therefore appropriate thing to do. So as an example or examples, if when we sprain, I don't know if you've ever sprained your ankle. I have. I've had a high ankle sprain. My natural response with a high ankle sprain was to quickly take off my shoe. That's not the right action, though. Um, a, a natural response or an, a, an instinctive response when a child is lost in a mall is not to stay where they are, but to go looking for their parents. It's the wrong, it's instinctive, but it's the wrong action. Uh, an instinctive action if you're in the woods and a bear approaches you. Your instinctive reaction is to run, forest, run. But that is not the right reaction. It reminds me of two guys and they were in the woods and they were photographers taking pictures, a young guy and an older guy. And they're taking pictures and all of a sudden, suddenly a bear comes out and begins to approach them rapidly. Well, the younger phot- photographer gets down on his knees. And as he's getting down on his knees, the older photographer says, oh, that's good. We need to get down here and play dead. He says, I'm not down here playing dead. I'm down here tying my shoes. The older guy says, why would you be tying your shoes? You can't outrun a bear. He says, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. <laughs> that's funny. I don't care what you say. So in those moments of fear, we 
Uh, our goal today is to adopt a godly pattern to kind of crack the code on, the, uh, on this counterintuitive move that we'll see all through Scripture. We need to be able to uh, have a different way, a more spirit-led response that breaks the power in those moments of fear. Because if we don't, we give in to those, those, those um instinctive uh, directions will find ourselves in very difficult situations as a result. So how do, we, how do you respond in, in the fear of the moment, in those, those sudden, unpredictable situations that come upon you? Do you hit the panic button right away? Do you want to hyperspace right out of here? Uh, do you get angry? Uh, is that your response? My father and my father's line of, and even me in, in, in different phases of my life, I would get angry and I would intimidate others, try to control the situation because I felt out of control. Um, do you, when those moments come, jump up and try to take some course of action because you've just got to do something and you're, you're chasing after things and you're like, a, it's a wild goose chase and it's fueled by fear of the moment, or are you on the other side of the pendulum where you deny your fears? Like, I'm fine. You're in complete denial that doesn't even bother me, and you're numb, and you're pretending nothing is wrong. Or do you, like me today, laugh in the face of fear? <laughs> you just laugh at it. And, and truthfully, I do laugh at fear sometimes, but I'm scared. It's just, it's just a weird, inordinate response. People handle fear in the moment in different ways. In the book of Job, there's this verse that's sometimes misunderstood and taken the wrong way. But it says that, verse 25 of chapter 3, it says, That which I feared has come upon me. In other words, you can fear the right way and it will affect the outcome positively. You can fear the wrong way and it will affect the outcome negatively. What your fear, whichever one that you're submitted to and servant to, will affect your outcomes. Some people that are not fearing God, but they're fearing the circumstances, they're fearing the moment, they're fearing the future, they're fearing the past. Some people might be teetering on the edge of financial disaster. And in those moments of fear, in a desperation to regain their financial wherewithal, sometimes they'll do a drastic maneuver in the stock market to try to get it all back. I know people have done that, and they went to jail for it. Perhaps uh, you're a woman, and you accidentally or unintentionally got pregnant. Uh, you didn't want to, but you did. And, and because of the fear that came upon you, you went and you, 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 you had an abortion. You took a drastic reaction. And in those kind of instances, those instinctive decisions that are driven by fear, they can lead to long-term ramifications or implications. Personalize it. What would you do if you got a bad report from the doctor? You know, I remember in 2012, I was with my wife and my kids, and I was in the hospital, and I just had a surgery, and I just had a tumor, a growth removed from my stomach. I actually went into surgery understanding it to be, um, what do you call it, uh, the, the, the quick one. And the, I forget how you call it, but there's, it's a short one. It's an in and out. And um, I'll, I'll get that word. It'll pop in a second. But it ended up being a full-blown surgery where they cut me open. And in the process, I wake up, I'm shocked, I didn't know that it happened. Uh, my wife starts to explain to me what had happened. It was a little more involved, it was bigger, they had missed, missed something, they didn't see something. And, 
And then a few minutes later, the doctor comes in. The doctor comes in, and he says, Derek, I have some good news for you, and I have some bad news for you. He says, the good news is we got the tumor. All of it was successfully resected. We got it all. The bad news is some of it is cancer. <sighs> Flood of emotions. Fear was crouching at my door. In that moment, fear was trying to overtake my soul. In fact, I could, I just, I could still remember it so clearly. I'm lying in bed. My wife's right beside me. My kids were eating food and Doritos and cookies. And it was like a party, if you know my family. And all of a sudden, whew, you could just, and they all looked at me. And I had to turn away as tears welled up in my eyes because of fear. See, what is the proper response in a moment of fear like that. How are we as Christ followers to respond in those situations? The Bible has an extraordinary example of an incredible leader who got it right in the moment of fear. He had a lot to lose. He had a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure on him. And his name was Jehoshaphat. You can say that name three times fast. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, okay? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you a text from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and I'm going to read some of the verses, verses 1 through 21, and then I'm going to paraphrase them and talk about them as we go forward. So look at me at 2 Corinthians chapter 20, verse 1. This is what happens. A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon, Tamar. Alarmed, remember that, fearful, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And then it says, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat. They brought message and they said, he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So they brought this message of being attacked and he, and he calls a fast. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is um, in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it um, a sanctuary for your name saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or a plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. And we'll cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. But now, here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade uh, when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass 
of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. I said it again. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel. With a very loud voice, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me. This is Braveheart speech. Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holy and they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I'm sure some of you have heard uh, a song about that before. And so here's what's going on in this story. Jehoshaphat, um, though maybe not a familiar character, and this story maybe not particularly familiar, I believe it is a timely word for today. After Solomon died, the country of Israel is split in two, and this good and godly king was being attacked by enemies in verse 1, three different types. And these nations cross over into Judah, and they're coming up from uh, the north to attack. And in verse 2 and following, uh, the Bible says that a messenger comes to Jehoshaphat and tells him about these enemies. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was alarmed. He was afraid. And then it says, and he did something different here. He resolved, or you could say he turned his attention to inquire of the Lord. He was a king who understood that in times of fear, we need God. He was not pretending here. He called a fast. A fast is simply a form of focus. I'm taking my focus off this, and I'm going to put my focus on God. And he got through this difficulty, this sudden situation, that way. Now, what's so cool about this, um, oh, first let me say this. Isn't it true, though, when we are afraid, we have a hard time turning our face to God? That's not our natural response or course of action. In moments of fear, I believe we all pray. I think, in fact, in fact, I think even the irreligious pray, save us, oh God. You know, if you know, this would be if you're there, you know, if you could just help me out right here. But the brilliance of the story and the brilliance of this leader, he was a man among boys, is he turned his eyes away from his problem and he turned his eyes and hearts. God. This is amazing to me. And I love this story because it helps me. It helps you when you're leading your family, your business, a church. Jehoshaphat, though he was a king, was not, a, uh, not afraid to admit that he was afraid. Uh, remember that no one's really immune to fear. Even a king is not immune to fear. And, and in essence, he's saying to all the people that are there, even though I am king, I'm afraid, and I don't have all the answers. I'm going to go public, actually, with this statement, and I'm, I don't want you to look to me for answers. I want us all to look to God for answers. So this is a powerful model 
and method for us in moments of fear. And as leaders, sometimes we often try to convince people that we have the answers when we really don't. And so we, my daddy used to say, don't teach people how to eat a slice of bread at a time. Teach him how to make bread. What he was teaching me there as a young man was teach him how to go to the source, not keep going to one person, to another person, to another person. Some of you are listening to this person and this person and this person and this person. You need to make sure you're listening to God first, that he is your primary source and he's the one that you're getting living bread from and a living word from. But Jehoshaphat models what we do in fear and he gives us this pattern. He calls an assembly with all the people and he gives this kind of model prayer. And right around verse five and six, he says, and he's in front of all the people, they're at church, and he says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. And then he says, power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. That's not how I usually pray when I'm afraid, when, when we're scared about something. But Jehoshaphat made up his mind to turn away from the messenger that came to him with the bad news, turn away from the message that he brought, and turn his heart towards God. That's a key thought in your notes I want you to write down. In moments of fear, we must learn to turn away from the mess, the message, and the messenger, and turn our hearts towards God. And so he began to pray by restating what he knew to be true about the character of God. He began to restate how powerful he was and how omnipotent and how capable uh, he was. You're able, God. You're large and in charge. I'm not able and I'm not in charge. See, when God's in charge, he's responsible. And then in verse 7 he says, our God, he's talking to God, reminding him of the past. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before our people Israel? And didn't you give it to our descendants, you know, of Abraham, your friend? Isn't it, aren't we connected to him? They have lived in it and have built this sanctuary. It's in your name. So, God, if calamity comes upon us, whether by sword of judgment or a plague or a virus or a famine... This is what we're going to do as the people of God. We're going to stand in your presence before this temple. That We're going to be in church. We're going to be in our homes. We're going to be in our trysting place. And we're going to cry out to you in distress. And you will hear us. And you will save us. What a mighty prayer from this man of God. So he rehearses God's deeds of the past. He reminds him of his promises that he brought to his descendants. And as Christians, this is a good practice. The day will come if we don't record what God has done, if we don't recall what God has done, if we don't remember what God has done, then the, the day when we are tested, sometimes the only thing that will get us through the test is the things that God has done before us. That's what will sustain you. David, a mighty warrior, was, he strengthened himself in the Lord. How? By reviewing the many testimonies of the faithfulness of God. But our instinct isn't like this sometimes. We pray differently in the moments of fear. Oh, God! Ah, ah. I remember my mother when we used to come, I used to take her car because uh, she gets stuck at the bottom of the driveway. And I'd say, Mom, slide over. I'll get the car up there. And I drive it up our super narrow driveway. And as I'm driving up super fast and total confidence, and I'd fishtail. It was a little exaggerated, and I'm feel bad for my mom, but I can remember where we're going up. I go, mom, hang on, buckle up. She'd grab the window and go, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
That was her prayer. That's not the best prayer, okay? But that's how people pray in fear. Change this. God, are you even there? Where are you right now? See, instinctively, our prayers are about us. But what was different and where we need to go is Jehoshaphat's prayer focused on God first, not on me first. This is a new instinct. It's counterintuitive. And it can only be fostered in an awareness of how great God is. And when we know this, we can fight fear with fear. And then in verse 10, it continues. And uh, all these, these, these invaders are coming in, and, and they're trying to destroy them. And he's reminding them, this is not okay. This is not okay. And so our God, won't you judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. This is the prayer of a man who fears God. See, the sequence that we can see through these texts, and you can look it up on your own, but for the sake of time, let me tell you what he's doing. He basically prays like this. He prays, um, he knows who God is and how great he is. He focuses on the greatness of God. Secondly, he rehearses the faithfulness of God in the past to back up his people. And third, he humbly states his powerlessness without God's intervention. What a great sequence of prayer for those of us. And then in verse 13, he tells all the men of Judah, and, and he gets them together, and he gets the wives and the children. Listen, listen, listen. And then they just stood there before the Lord. Wow. This is so powerful. So powerful. They just stood before the Lord, and they just waited. They just waited. I don't know about you, but I'm not a good Waiter. I was a good waiter. Can I get your drink? Can I help you? But I'm not a good, like, just wait there. Be still. I'm a doer. But sometimes we act instinctively instead of waiting upon the Lord before we act. And all through the Bible, David at Ziklag and other examples, God's trying to get us, go inquire of the Lord before you go doing anything. That's when you're going to get better results. And he eventually, after they waited, God spoke to them and gave them a course of action. Verse 14. It says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon this prophet. And the prophet goes to King Jehoshaphat. And, and, he, and the, he says, Jehoshaphat, God spoke this to me. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all of you in the land. He says, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Or I'd like to say to you today, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast ever-expanding, uh, fear-ridden virus. Do not, for the battle is not yours, it's God's. This battle is not yours, everybody. This problem is not yours. God is going to deal with it, and he's going to help you with it. Then he speaks to them, and we're going to go over the sequence in a little bit. He says, tomorrow, verse 16, march down against your enemy. They will climb up this place, and they're going to be over here, and you're not going to have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance that I'm going to give you. And then he repeats it. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Listen, God is going, he doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be discouraged, and he's going to send you back out. At some point, everybody, we're going outside again. 
And we, don't, we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be discouraged because the Lord will be with you. God's going to use this time to make you strong in the Lord in the power of his might. God's going to use this time to strengthen you in your inner man so that you can be strong in your outer man. And the Bible says, Then they fell down at the word of the Lord, and they worshiped before him. And listen, nothing had changed. They simply paused. They had a worship service. They thanked God in advance for what he said he was going to do. The ultimate expression of faith is when we express gratitude towards God before he even acts. Come on, somebody, that'll preach. We need to be men and women of God who believe to see instead of just see to believe. In verse 19 and 20, uh, these, these, these uh, people got together and they start having a worship service and they were so excited about the word. They got excited about the word of the Lord because they know what God says you can take to the bank. And then Jehoshaphat has like a brave heart speech. He says, listen to me, people. Have faith in the Lord your God. And I'm telling you the same thing, everybody. You need to have faith in God. He's going to deal with this virus. He's going to deal with this economy. He's going to restore that which has been taken from you. He's going to build your faith. He's using this. Don't waste the coronavirus. Let God do something through this inside of you. And he has this speech and he says um, uh, to all the people, he says, listen to me, Judah. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Verse 21, he says, and, and, and God gives him this instruction, and he takes him, and he says, I want you to put the worship team out in front of the army. What? The worship team out in front of the army, that's crazy, I know. That's not normal, I know. That's counterintuitive, I realize that. And then it says, they went out ahead of the army and they begin to sing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And so the king sets an powerful example for us on what to do in moments of fear. Listen, the lesson is this. Don't do what is instinctive, do what is spirit-led, do what is counterintuitive, and you will see the mighty hand of God work in your lives. Your greatest fear is God's greatest opportunity. Now, in the next few minutes, I'm going to conclude this with four simple takeaways from this story that I've already preached. I want to highlight them for you, okay? The first thing we need to, these are four um, counterintuitive cures to contaminating fear, okay? Number one, write this down. You got to worship. You got to worship. What did Jehoshaphat and the people of God do? You worship. You don't have to feel like it to worship God. Do it anyway. Worship takes all of our fears and places them in their proper context. The context of your fear contrasted against or put up against the greatness of God changes everything. His promise to be a good, good father, uh, to, to, to be there for and supply all that you need according to his riches. When we worship and refocus our fear off of the future, off of the past, or off of this sudden, unpredictable, momentary thing, and we get into God's presence, everything changes. Here's what happens over time. As you begin to rehearse that and practice that, and you turn your eyes upon Jesus, he changes your physical eyes and how you see situations. And even before 
Your circumstances have even changed. Even before the army has been defeated, even before the virus has been eradicated, you can feel and have and um, own the victory, and you can have peace. You can have peace. Uh, The second point I would say to you is this. You need to wait We see from this story how important it was and how it's in the sequence of this counterintuitive cure. But sometimes you just got to wait. This is where we anticipate that God is going to do something great. This might be the hardest move for some of you, the toughest one for some of you. Um, But this, I'm not advocating, by the way, irresponsibility here. What I'm saying is, is that when you and I are afraid, we typically do things that are either inappropriate, we are inaccurate, or incorrect because we did something instinctively. But once you worship to the point of peace, then before you go do something, you get out to that doer-doer mode. No, listen, God will honor that weight. Give God the margin. Don't just do that knee-jerk thing. Don't drop the oar and grab the canoe. Don't go run off in the mall. Let your father find you and give you instruction. The Bible says all the men of Judah were with their wives and children and little ones, and they stood there before the Lord. You worship, you wait. Number three, you walk, you walk. Here's, here's, here's the part where we act out what he tells us to do. The prophet came and spoke to them, and he basically told them what to do. Tomorrow, you're going to march down. You're going to get down where they are, and you're going to see them. Take up your positions. Stand firm. See, eventually, God's going to give you something to do. And uh, let me warn you or let me prepare you that the direction he gives you is often different than the direction you would take. As you read the Bible, you're going to see he leads people in different directions that the masses are not going who are following their feelings and that are experiencing their fears. God's going to take you in a direction away from that. He wants you to turn away from the mess, away from the message, away from the messenger, and turn your face towards him. And he may tell you when you're afraid, let go. He may tell you when you're afraid of falling, jump. He may tell you when it's scary, trust me. Allow him to do something unusual through you so that he could be glorified. Remember, your greatest fear is God's greatest opportunity. When your, pers- your perspective is changed in worship, you find peace. In the position of peace, as you wait on God, he gives you direction. And from there, you walk the path that he has instructed you to walk. And then lastly, number four, then you just stand back And you watch. Number four, watch. Watch what God does. If you will follow these counterintuitive moves that God has given you, you get to watch God do a mighty thing. In this instance, God tells him to put the choir out in front. And and even though that was so crazy, uh, the fear of the Lord is really saying yes to God in spite of what is required. And in verse 22 through 28, I'll paraphrase some of this, but it says, as they began to sing, look what he did, by the way. It said, the Lord set ambushes against the men of these three nations that were invading, and they were all defeated. The Lord just fought them. And, and then they, they were trying to destroy him, but after they finished slaughtering the men, they, they, they started destroying one another. They started fighting each other. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one escaped. 
Let me tell you what happens after that. They're all their enemies are gone. All their plunder is there. It was so much they couldn't carry it all. It took them three days to carry all the plunder. And after that, they rejoiced. They had a church service. They worshiped God. The place was going crazy. They went to church. They're, hitting, they're playing their instruments. They're having a concert. And then in verse 29, it says, The fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Here's what's happening. Everybody, everybody knows now. Everybody knows about God because Jehoshaphat and, and Judah and Jerusalem decided to, to fight fear with fear and to elevate the fear of the Lord above their momentary fears. See, your greatest fear is God's greatest opportunity. And so my question is, will you subordinate your momentary fears to the fear of the Lord? I'm going to ask you this, like while you're right there where you are to just pause, I want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you because I think there's some people right now that they're like a child that's lost in the mall. You're running around trying to solve this by yourself. You're trying to rescue you and maybe yours and maybe mine. You're trying to rescue all of that. But, but you just need to stay in the presence of God right now. I believe the presence of God is here right now. But, and, and like a good parent, God is looking for you. He's looking for you. If you'll just stay still in the presence of God and not rush around and move on so quickly. Stay, stay, stay. Just stay. The Holy Spirit wants to do something right now through you. As a good parent, he's looking for you right now if you'll wait here in these moments. If you will worship him, if you will wait, he'll give you direction. He'll give you instruction. He'll show you how to walk out this whole thing. The Bible says that God stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and I will eat with him and I will be with him. See, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's listening to the conditions and the circumstances. He's listening to your prayers and he wants to take your fear away, but he wants to come into your situation first. And so for some of you, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to, to kind of take the wheel, are you there yet? Like, are your hearts so afraid, like the Bible talks about, that you need something, an anchor, uh, a, something to hold on to that is secure? I'm telling you, the only thing that is secure, the only thing that will bring you that confidence is a relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can, breathe, that, that can breathe that life into you, that can bring that hope that you need. The most important thing, the only thing that is more contagious than fear is hope. And God wants you to have hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And so with your eyes closed, if that's you and you know it's you, uh, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And, and I want you to say it from your heart as you speak it out with your mouth. Just say this, say, Jesus, today is a day that I surrender my life to you today. I admit that I can't do it without you. Truly, as I look around, I get afraid. I'm afraid in moments. I'm afraid of the future. But I choose today to surrender my life to you, to give you the wheel of my life, to turn over control to you, to put my trust in you, and to elevate my love for you and my fear of you above my fear of other things. By grace today, I receive what Jesus did for me. 
through faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Bible says that when you pray that prayer, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. The Bible says you're saved. Your eternal security is is established. It's written in permanent ink in the Lamb's book of life. And so if you made that decision today, you need to tell somebody. So right there online, there's a little place where you can check and say, I just made that decision. And you can just raise your hand. You may want to talk to somebody. You may want to pray with somebody. I want to encourage you to take moments. There's teams of people there that are happy to help you and give you next steps on your journey of faith. But you just made an incredible, incredible decision. And we want to congratulate you. But I want to pray for one more group. I want to pray for people who have this, but they're really struggling down here. You have eternal security, but you're struggling with earthly fear. And I want to pray for you that that those of you that have that fear in the moment. And so if you know that's you, I want you to just put your hand on your heart just as an acknowledgement that that's a fear that you struggle with. And I want to pray for you right where you are. God, I pray that you give my brothers and sisters, that you give the, the young people and the children who are listening right now a new perspective a new view, Lord, amidst worship. Lord, make them worshipers, that they come to you and they get in your presence and that they find peace. Father, I pray, God, that they would wait on you, that they would hit pause before they act and they do something instinctively. Instead, they do something counterintuitive. As they wait on you, God, I pray that you would speak to them like the prophet spoke to to Jehoshaphat. I pray that you give them words from you and your Holy Spirit, direction on what to do and how to do it in difficult times like these. Father, I pray you give them the courage to walk out those instructions. And Lord, finally, we're gonna just stand back and watch. We're going to stand back and watch and see what you do, God. And we're going to be careful to give you praise and glory. But even before that, as the ultimate expression of our faith, right here and now, like they did in this story, God, we're going to give, come on, church, I want you to agree with me wherever you are. Let's give God thanks and praise for what he's going to do. We thank you, God. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for people that are overcoming their fears. The fear of the moment has been defeated in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen.